This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Schneimer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Yesterday, we broke the news that Toronto Public Health is out of high-dose flu vaccine and that there will be no more going forward for the rest of the season. This we learned about in a directive from Toronto Public Health on their letterhead. We wanted to speak to them about this, but no dice. Now, normally, I do not go public with issues about getting officials to talk to us because that's my problem. But in the case of Dr. Eileen Devilla and Toronto Public Health Board Chair Joe Cressy, it shows a blatant disregard for the older population. We have made numerous requests starting before the pandemic for minutes of their time. And at best, they're people string us along sometimes. Dr. Villa's people actually agreed and then uh, stopped communicating. And uh, when they're not doing that, they palm us off on other agencies. So my message to Dr. Devilla and Joe Cressy is stop patronizing the older people you purport to protect. We have the right to hear from you directly about what the situation is. You have an obligation to answer some questions. Let me give the numbers out, people. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. Now, in addition to the issue with the flu shots, we have rising case numbers. We have public health units pushing back against the province wanting to reopen. So let's bring in Dr. Elisa Naiman, a Toronto-based family physician with the Medical Station Clinic, and Dr. Alon Vaisman, an epidemiologist at the University Health Network. Hello, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for thank having you. me. Okay, let's start with Dr. Naiman. So, uh, Toronto Public Health just put out this thing. Sorry, people, there's no more. What is your situation? How many patients do you have? And what's your situation? Um, so we have in our practice about 7,000 patients. Uh, two weeks ago, we received our last shipment of vaccine. We received 200 high-dose shots and 600 of the regular flu shot. Um, and as of now, uh, I maybe have about five shots that are left to give to my patients. And after that, I will have nothing left. Of any kind? No, I sorry. So I'll have five left of the high dose. Um, we have about 150 of the regular vaccine, but we haven't, we've been very restricted into who we've been giving it. And I've just been hoping and waiting for our next shipment, with, which was supposed to happen tomorrow. But I just found out today that because it's Remembrance Day, there will be no shipment. And now I have to go and take time out of seeing patients to go to the depot on Thursday to pick up a new shipment. Well, well, that's good news because I saw on Twitter somebody saying there was no more of any kind until December, but hopefully that's not true. No, I think there's no more high dose. They told us today at the 
at the Ministry Depot that all of the Toronto allocation has occurred and that we will no longer be receiving any more high-dose vaccine. Okay, let's bring in Dr. Vaisman. In your opinion, how dangerous is this? Uh, so the flu vaccine that's available widely, uh, the quadrivalent, is the alternative option for elderly people when the high dose is not available. The reason that the high dose is given preferably to elderly individuals, to those as greater than 65 years of age, is that that has the, the stronger evidence that it prevents flu uh, when compared to the other flu vaccines. The other alternative vaccine, the quadrivalent, which is broadly given, uh, has been shown in studies to elicit an antibody response, but the high dose was the one that showed a reduction in actual flu. So there is potentially for there's potentially a gap here with not having the high dose available. I mean, I I don't know why public health won't come clean about this, why they refuse to acknowledge their own directive, but. Uh, uh, Let's move along. Uh, I've had complaints from many doctors that they don't communicate and uh, their system. I mean, one of the things uh, that makes me find this very scary is is that when we finally have a, a COVID vaccine, if it is supposed to be distributed through Toronto Public Health, we're going to be in trouble. Alisa? Um so I, so I think one thing that we might have to clarify, and I don't know 100%, is that so Toronto Public Health did send out uh, a memo to um, to physicians maybe three, four weeks ago saying that it's actually the Ministry of Health who is responsible for the distribution within Toronto. In other parts of the province, I think it's different. But Toronto Public Health, we directly order from the Ontario the Ministry um, Supply. And I think Public Health has is stuck like us that they just can't get access to the vaccine. Hmm. And then, and and I've always said that this is the same as every year. Every year, the distribution of the vaccine has been terrible. This year, we're stuck because I've had so many patients who have said, "I've never had the vaccine, but this year I'm going to get the shot." And I think just the demand has just has just amazed them. And they didn't. They ordered an, an additional seven hundred thousand shots, but that demand has it, the supply has just not kept up for the demand. Well, that's that it's that is certainly true. And it's good news. Apparently, demand is up hundreds of percents. But when it comes to the high dose and the older population, they vaccinate at a high, much higher rate than the rest of the population. So I am wondering about the lack of vaccine, the lack of high dose vaccine because uh, what exactly was ordered? I mean, in general, I'd say they made a, a reasonable assumption about the uptake of the vaccine based on previous years. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, do you have a view of that? No, I don't have the specific numbers on, on, on that gap or why there isn't um, the availability of the flu vaccine for those individuals now. Um, it, it is potentially a, a significant issue. Some things that are in our favor right now is that flu numbers are expected to be low during this season based on data available from the recent flu season in the Southern Hemisphere and based on the data that we have so far of there being very few cases. So hopefully uh, with the combination of the protective measures that are going on for COVID and the combination of vaccination, whatever type of vaccination that is made available for the elderly, uh, hopefully this will not result in significant numbers this, this winter. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, that is uh, the bit of good news. And it is because 
people are going out less, they're washing their hands more, taking precautions, and in addition to hopefully preventing COVID, it prevents the regular flu. It's a good thing. Um, and again, this huge increase in demand in a lot of ways also is a good thing, but it's very disconcerting for people. And it's not just with the high dose. I mean, I'm, I'm checking with my people here who have signed up for regular flu shots, uh, be it through their doctor or their pharmacy, and they keep getting put off saying, sorry, we're out. And it makes you kind of wonder, will they be getting vaccinated in good time to build up their immune system before the height of this? Dr. Vesa. Uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Elisa. No, I was just going to say that, you know, I have, I have friends calling me saying that we've, we've signed up at three different pharmacies. We can't get it. Can you please give me the shot, the regular shot? And I'm just like, I can't give it to you. I don't have enough for my patients. How, how can I, how can I equitably ration the, the vaccine? Um, so it's very, very challenging. And I think you're right. The good news is this, is that there's very, very low flu activity within the province. It's lower than it's been in the last five years. Um, and I think hopefully the federal government will be able to order more vaccine and we'll be able to get additional supply even into December. And that with the, with the low, low numbers right now, it's very, very low. Um, that hopefully it will allow time for, for people who still want it to get it and have a level of coverage that they wouldn't have if they didn't have, if they weren't vaccinated. Okay, I would like to uh, turn now to the discussion that seems to be happening. I don't know if uh, you were listening to the Prime Minister shortly before we went to air, and he basically said he was talking to other levels of government and saying he wants to make sure that no politicians are pressured into reopening and relaxing too much because of pressure from constituents. And as you know, Toronto was supposed to go into this new orange restricted on the weekend. Not sure that will happen. Peel pushed back. They were supposed to open and they did it. Uh, they didn't. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, are you worried that, uh, you know, that the, the pressure to open is putting us in danger? Yeah, if you look at the numbers across Ontario, uh, not just in the hotspots that have always been identified, Toronto, Peel, Ottawa, but in many other cities across Ontario, there is a very steady and consistent rise of COVID cases. So it, it would seem that at this time, it wouldn't be the right time to open up and to move back into these phases, the more open phases. There, there isn't, uh, sometimes there isn't a lot that public health can do to try to reduce cases if the method of transmission is, let's say, small gatherings, people in homes, people in functions. But whatever that they can do, whatever that is at their disposal, I think it, it makes sense at this time, given how consistent the rise is uh, across the board. And not just the cases, of course, the other important measure to look at is the deaths and the ICU and the hospital admissions. Those are kind of the hard numbers that are not going down. They're, they're consistently rising, and that, that is the main concern. The Hospital Association is warning that we're getting, we are either at capacity or getting there in a real hurry. Yes, there's certainly some very hardly hard of uh, areas that were very badly affected uh, in the last week or so by the cases, by the number of cases, including in the Toronto region and Brampton and in Peel, where now you're looking at a situation where even if uh, 
you are able to provide care for patients with COVID, the patients who don't have COVID are coming in for their other admissions for other reasons. The limit there's going to be limitations in being able to provide care for them, and so the hospital system is going to have to be more flexible, be able to adapt, and you know there's only so much that they can do at some point where they can no longer, uh, you know, accommodate all the patients that need to be cared for. Dr. Naiman, one of the things that was brought up in our, our last segment, uh, so we have this issue of, of private gatherings. That's uh, the main mode of transmission, certainly in Peel. We have holidays coming up, uh, one on the weekend, Diwali. Uh, so, some people are saying, you know, it's actually better if you have restaurants open so people don't have to gather in their homes. Do you have a, a stand on this? Um, I think people will do whatever. They will break the rules and they will get together. Um, whether they go, if the restaurants are closed, then people will go and do things in their in their homes. Um, people are really, really fatigued about the, about the virus, but the effect that it's had on their life. People are really, are very, very depressed. And I think that we're really in a, there's no good answer. We know from data from around the world that restaurants are a source of transmission. And I think that society just has to make a decision. What, what are the goal? What are the, what do we want to do? What's the importance? I think the importance is to have kids go to school and we have to avoid other things that maybe are important, but right now are not the main focus of keeping our society going. We have been talking about the fact that Toronto is out of high-dose flu shots and also that everyone seems to be reevaluating the situation now that we have a large number of cases day after day after day. The hospitals are either full or getting there. Um, is it really a good time to relax some restrictions and reopen? On the other side of that, some people say, well, we've got to be strategic. You've got to look at where is the spread coming from, and that's different in different areas of the province. And uh, if we prevent restaurants from reopening, does that just mean that people will have more gatherings in their homes, which are harder to keep track of and which seem to be a significant source, at least in Peel region? Let's start with a call from Jim in Pickering. Hello, Jim. Hi. uh, uh, Good afternoon to all. You know, I did manage to get my flu shot, the high dose, I'm 74, at my local pharmacy. And it was, I think, better good luck than good management. And I had gone in and inquired the week before, and they had the regular dose. They said, would you like to, you know, have that? And I said, well, maybe I'll wait. And they said, okay, fill the form out at home, call before. So I called the next week on a Thursday. They said, we don't have it now, but 90% chance, 95 to get it the following day. So I went in and I got it. It was a great experience. A very nice young lady did it. And I just want to put this out there that I'm thinking about now. I know a lot of people are having trouble getting it, but can you imagine when we get the COVID vaccine, if it's two dose and you have to arrange it that 30 days and do two appointments, how are they going to you know, manage that, Libby? Well, I think they're just deciding how to manage that. I will put that to Dr. Vaisman, but the, the, we don't know very much about, uh, this vaccine, what populations it was tested on in the mm-hmm. clinical trials, uh, how do older people react to it? How do younger people react to it? Uh, so I guess they're deciding, is it healthcare workers that get it first? Is it long-term care? Is it older people? And, uh, again, 
again, uh, we don't have a barcode system on the distribution in Toronto. There's, uh, you know, bad communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Vaisman, how do you think that the ultimate vaccine or vaccines should be distributed? Yeah, it's uh, this specific one that was released, uh, that was released yesterday, the Pfizer one. There's a few facts that we do know about it. And assuming this is the one that will be broadly released, of course, there's many others that are certainly being investigated. It may not be end up this one. But if it is this one, let's take that one as an example. Uh, the important facts are that it does need two doses that are spaced approximately four weeks apart. And the, the vials need to be in a, fro- in a freezer that ha- that's not widely available in doctor's offices or even pharmacies. So if this were the vaccine, it would need to be distributed through centralized means, just like our CCA, our, uh, our assessment centers. Uh, provide the swabbing. So that's what the model might, might look like, centralized areas where people would go to get swabbed. And as you said, there's going to be so many logistic challenges associated with that, having to keep track of people, having to slot people in. That's something that vaccination has never, never been done in that way before. So totally new solutions need to be think, thought about and how to keep track of people and make sure that people are getting vaccinated well, yeah, and I mean, the, the point about it has to be kept, I believe, at 40 below zero. Yeah, at a very low temperature. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that, that's, that's not your basic fridge. No, exactly. And so you're going to have to be able to provide it in very specific centers and book people. As for your second question about the population, this is all very preliminary, but it looks like the groups that we'd be thinking about first is First of all, the areas that have the highest rates of COVID, so the hotspots that have been identified. And then within that group, the highest risk people, which would be the elderly and then the healthcare workers. But all of that needs to be sorted out. And it's, it's kind of a, it's a bit early to, to figure that out at this stage. Well, I, I'm not sure it's early to f- figure it out. It's, uh, it's not coming soon. Uh, Dr. Naiman, do you worry about that? Uh, I, if I tell you this, you'll be so shocked. When we, we were allowed to reorder the flu, the flu, um, our first reorder, you have to fax it, and we had to fax it on a particular day. Even worse is that they got over a thousand faxes in that morning, and they had to be manually inputted into the computer. And so they said, we don't even, things won't even be inputted for two days. We can't tell you any idea of how many shots you're going to get or when you're going to get it. So if they're manually inputting stuff now, how are they going to how are they going to move forward with this vaccine that you need two shots? That there's temp- there's major temperature issues. Like it's just going to be a disaster right? unless they can get their logistics together now. But they didn't do it for the flu shot, and they knew. So I don't know if we can what we can expect for going forward. You know, I bet there are people listening who don't even know what a fax machine is. Our younger listeners. I mean that to me, is it, it's beyond appalling. Let's go to Dennis in Brampton. Hi, Dennis. Hi, Libby. Thanks for taking me my call. Quickly, out my, this isn't my point, but I did get my high-dose flu shot very early, so I was one of the, my wife and I were one of the fortunate ones. Uh, but my point is with respect to the rising cases and the old uh, uh, ad that said, you know, you pay now or you pay later, and the way the cases are rising, and I'll speak just for the GTA because other parts of the province seem to be doing a lot better, we are headed for a hard lockdown. And unless we turn this around, and unfortunately, I don't have a lot of faith in human behavior. And um, I, my view at this point is it's inevitable. It's just a matter of time. 
Okay, thanks for that. Let's go to Doug in Arthur. Uh, very quickly, please, Doug. Hi. I just want to tell you that about two weeks ago, I'm 80 years old. I went to my family doctor to get the high-dose flu shot, and I was told they have it, but I didn't qualify for what? it. I just had to get the regular one because I didn't have enough wrong with me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think you qualify by your age. I'm glad to well, hear I, you I, don't have a lot wrong with you, but... Wow. Um, if that doesn't speak to a shortage, I don't know what does. So did you get the regular one, Doug? Yes, I did. But that was a couple of weeks ago, too. Yeah. Okay. Next year, I know I'll go to the drugstore and get it. Okay, Doug. Thank you for letting us know about that. That doesn't sound Thank right. You. But thanks for letting Thank us you. know. Okay. Uh, we have a very short amount of time left. So, Dr. Elisa Naiman, what would you like to leave us with on this? Um, one, I think that everybody should do their part. Everybody should really limit the number of people that you're interacting with. The virus is highly contagious. If you live with multiple people in the house and one person gets it, a lot of people in that house are going to get it. We're sort of at a point now that people have to make a decision, and if not, things are going to get really, really bad, and we're going to be in for a, a lockdown. So I think everybody has to make a decision. And then in terms of the flu shot, just... It's not ideal, but anybody who's still looking for, for the vaccine, and if they can't get a high dose, they probably should go with the regular shot. Any shot will be better than not getting anything. And hopefully, the third thing is hopefully the government can get their act together for going forward for when, when the COVID vaccine comes. If it's chaos now, it will only be even worse later unless they can make a change. Yeah, I'll say. Dr. Vaisman. Yeah, I absolutely agree with the comments by Dr. Naiman. Uh, if you think about when a flu vaccine, when the COVID vaccine may be available in the springtime or just after that, this next few months are going to be absolutely critical. There's going to be the months where we're, we could potentially see very high degree of mor- morbidity, mortality, or we can see, you know, something returning to closer to what we were like before. So hopefully with some people adhering to the public health principles, people listening the next few months hopefully won't be that bad, but right now the next few weeks will be kind of a big decision point here, what, what direction we're going to go in. Okay, uh, lots for everyone to think about, and uh, thank you so much, Dr. Alisa Naiman and Dr. Alon Vaisman. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Okay, so... Um, not very encouraging news on that front, I am afraid to say. And again, uh, we will be following up on this high-dose shortage uh, in the days to come. Tomorrow, we'll be talking about Remembrance Day, very important, and a little break from all of this. And right now, that's all the time we have for today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.